Hello, everyone. This is Rico, and you're about to hear another... That sounded loud to begin. <laughs> you're about to hear another episode of Treks and Sci-Fi, your weekly or lately over the summer, semi-weekly, every other week, uh, geeky goodness show. Yeah, that's me, Rico. Yeah. After um, today is, uh, let's see, September 24th, 2023, and uh, this will be show 915. The last show I did two weeks ago was a live cast. Uh, and that was to celebrate the, what is it, 18th anniversary, right? Right? You know, oh, I'm an adult, I'm, I'm an adult now. <laughs> I didn't I didn't make that comment, did I? I don't think for the live show. Anyway, but um, today I, I went through a few changes, uh, actually, in just the last few minutes. I'll, I'll tell you more about that. But what we're going to do... Um, we're going to talk about some other, you know, basic things like I typically do, what I've been doing or watching and what's been going on the last um, couple of weeks. And also, uh, I'm going to cover um, read-along Star Wars uh, books that, uh, if you don't know, uh, those were kids' kind of books, basically, or kid uh, cassettes or records, uh, and they were a shortened version of the original trilogy uh, and I think they've done other ones too since then like for um, the more recent films but anyway more about that here shortly on Treks in Sci-Fi Hello everyone and welcome to the Treks in Sci-Fi podcast Scotty, beat me up Stand by to receive our transmission. All right, folks, again, welcome to the podcast. <clears throat> Sorry, I just took a drink of some tea. Yeah, how's everybody doing? How's everything going? Hopefully everyone's doing well. Hopefully you guys are all healthy and well out there who listen. And if you're not, I hope you're doing better or getting better. Uh, it's, um, yeah, so it's, we're heading into, I guess technically it's fall or autumn. Well, what is it? Is it fall or autumn? I've always basically called it fall because to me, and I don't know if this is really where the term came from. Here, here's Rico going off on a tangent within two minutes of the podcast starting. But uh, in Michigan, at least, and in you know the northern and a lot of the country, you know, a fair amount of the United States. But anyway, the the leaves on the trees here fall, right? In in as the cooler weather approaches, they spring out. You know, in the spring they bud out, and the leaves, you know, all that, and then and then they all fall, and and. People like me have to rake them up and get rid of them because they'll kill your grass if you just leave them there. Anyway, um, so I'm not really sure. I have no idea if that's where the term fall came from. Uh, but but um, I've never really called it autumn, honestly. I, I've always called it, even though I think technically it's really it's – really, because uh, there's the autumnal, autumnal equinox, right? And uh, so I, I think fall is like a – weird more modern term possibly any anyway oh and by the way i was talking to my wife i'm really on tangents this is what happens i think when i don't do a podcast for two weeks i just blather away so i apologize i'll try to get back on track give me like five minutes to do that anyway i was 
talking to my wife. Um, we have this new puppy, you know, Luna. She's about n- nine months old now, eight months. Yeah, uh, pushing nine, I think nine. Anyway, uh, she's a bit of a handful of times, honestly. Uh, she's got a lot of energy. She's a big puppy, um, and and she's got this habit of uh, when we're trying to sit down and have dinner. She wants to bark. She wants to go out, even though she doesn't really always have to do her business out, you know, outside. And I and I made this comment to her, to her, to the dog, like she'll understand this at all. But I but I said, slow your roll. And um, my wife was like, you're making these phrases up. And I'm like, no, no, you don't know what that phrase. You've never heard that phrase. Slow your roll. And and, and you know, it, essentially, if you don't know, it's it's. It's been around a long time. In, in more recent times, it it means basically. I mean, they they even traced it back to like I, I did some googling to to kind of prove to her I didn't make this up. But um, it, it went back into the early days of of cars even. Um, so the modern, let's say, meaning of slow your roll is to to sort of stop and think about what you're doing kind of a thing. It's like, so I was trying to tell the dog, you know, calm down, slow your roll. And, and you know, when she's barking away, <laughs> but uh, uh, I don't know, whatever. Um, by the way, uh, I'll mention this now here. We're going to get back on nerd topics, not weird idioms and phrases that my wife seems to constantly think I'm making up. And I'm like, no, I'm not making them up. Sometimes I get the word order wrong or I get, I slip in a different word, but um, I got the, um, you guys remember Eagle Moss, of course. A lot of people listening, you know, they were a big um, collectible company that did this huge, huge line of uh, of basically miniature um, ships from Star Trek, primarily that. They did other things, too. Like, I have an Orville um, from the Orville TV show from them. Um, I have a Viper uh, from the... Think it's is it the I think it's is it the classic or the new I you know they were so close the Vipers on on the Battlestar Galactic on the old and the new show and I'm looking at it across the room I'm not going to get up and get it um, I I think it's the newer one but I'm not positive honestly <laughs> so um, and then I just got in, in the last week just this last week I got the Cerritos. The USS Cerritos from uh, Star Trek Lower Decks, which I, I think is a cool ship. It has that sort of like Reliant slightly. It looks a little bit like the Reliant from Wrath of Khan, of course. I've, I've always thought it was really cool. Uh, you know, when I first saw the Reliant in Wrath of Khan, um, and, you know, I love the shape of the Enterprise with the with the engines up up top and all that, but swinging them down low like that I, I thought was was a really really cool idea and honestly when you think about it, it it's space right <laughs> there's no up or down exactly I, I I would enjoy I would enjoy seeing a film or a TV show I know they've played around with this a little bit occasionally but it would be I think it would be really interesting if they really messed with like ship angles and stuff in things in in a in a um in a Star Trek, some kind of Star Trek show or something like that, because because it makes you know honestly it makes no sense. the The other thing that always kind of freaks me out a little bit or, or gets me weird about about here's a tangent slightly, but it gets me weird about um, any any kind of sci fi or space drama is when when they talk about like how they have to get from like point A to point B, 
and they'll say, oh, there's this big nebula thing, you know, or whatever. And granted, they'll say, yeah, they could go around it, but it'll take longer and all that. And okay, that makes sense, even in even in three dimensional space kind of thing. Um, rather than like when you're driving down a road or you're on the, even when you're on the ocean, right? You, you can actually barricade or blockade areas and stuff. So, uh, all right. So I got off on a weird tangent, but anyway, I got the Cerritos. Um, they did align uh, Eagle Moss um, and they went away basically and Master Replicas, which is really weird to me because there used to be a prop company that did some mostly props from Trek and Star Wars a lot of lightsabers. Uh, they did a model of the Millennium Falcon. They did a model, a, a studio scale model of the Enterprise, which I still have, which is amazing. I'm a little bit more on that here shortly. But the um, but uh, Eagle Moss went away, and basically this new company called Master Replicas, which I don't think has anything to do with the old Master Replicas company. Uh, they kind of bought them out. I think they had basically a lot of remaining stock um, around. They're not making anything new, I don't think, unless maybe I have that wrong. I don't know. Um, but um, but they've been slowly um, releasing these things. Uh, just go to, I don't know if it's masterreplicas.com, but you can find it out. Just search like Eagle Moss Master Replicas, and I've been getting weekly drop emails from them, which basically they typically do them on Wednesday afternoons and like Friday afternoons. So over the last few weeks, they will throw out an email with, hey, we've got all these for sale, blah, 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 and they, and they have them up. And, and the Cerritos was, was one I really wanted. I was, I was sad I missed, missed out on it. I honestly didn't get Chris, Chris, who you guys all know from the show, um, Chris Clemente, you know, friend of mine who lives, lives down in Florida. Unfortunately, Chris, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Florida. Uh, anyway, um, Weird people, not weird, weird people. Most of the people there are pretty okay, but um, just let's say that uh, DeSantis guy, I don't know. All right, now, no, no political talk. Uh, but um, anyway, Chris has collected a lot of the Eagle Moss ships uh, over the over the years when Eagle Moss was, was putting them out pretty, pretty crazy. And I never really got into them. I, I, I when it first started, I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be, these are cool. But man, it's going to cost a lot of money. They're not super cheap, in my opinion. And I, I wasn't really all that, honestly, that enamored with the small scale ones, which were only a few inches big, you know, in in length or whatever. They're cool, and it was a cool way to make uh, like hundreds of different ships that you've seen in Star Trek over the years. Um, but um, I just didn't get into it. I, I actually found I put it up on the Treks and Sci Fi Facebook group. If you're on there, and if you're not, why aren't you? If you're listening, uh, you should be, unless you're one of those people who doesn't like Facebook, and I get that. Um, but um, they made hundreds of these. There was a guy I, I found, uh, came across it yesterday, I think it was. He's got, like, basically, it says, and I forget what he, he's got some Twitter th feed thing, too, although it's called X, right? But he um, he collected pretty much everything Eagle Moss put out. It's amazing. He's got this wall of glass cabinets uh, with all these ships in them. I mean, it does look really cool and really impressive. I'm much more of a collector of, like, um, I jump around a lot. Like, I have a lot of interests, and I don't stick to, like, one theme. I don't stick to one type of collectible. Um, I, I get – and – 
I, like, for example, and I've said this a lot of times, I used to do a lot of action figures, and I've kind of gotten out of that, except for these recent Marvel retro figures they've been doing. I really do like those, and I've bought quite a few of those. Um, so going back to the Eagle Moss and the, and the Cerritos and all that, I didn't really get, I don't even know if I have any of the small ones at all. I've only really gotten a few of these larger, what they called XL, XL scale, which are roughly, I don't know, eight, nine inches long, give or take, something like that. Um, but super cool looking, nice detail. Uh, so I got the Cerritos, which is frankly really heavy. Uh, it, it's, it's really funny because I have the Orville uh, from the TV show, The Orville, and it's much lighter. I mean, it's obviously uh, like a, I think they're, I don't know, are they 3D printed or whatever, however they're made? I'm not sure. But the, um, or injected molded, I, I don't know. But um, the Cerritos, the primary hull especially, which is pretty much the most of the ship, you know, except for the engines hanging down, um, it's super heavy. It feels like it might be made out of even metal because it comes with this small little stand. And I was like, is man, this is this stand going to be able to support it? And it does. So, uh, so yeah, I, I got that. <laughs> that was a long story, long-winded story of, but point is, if you're interested in that stuff, everybody hears like, oh, Eagle Moss is gone, but they still have like, the other one I'm tempted by is the Reliant. They have an XL Reliant uh, that I think you can still get, uh, XL size. And they have one of the Enterprises, a couple of the Enterprises. They've had the the Dash E, I think, from, from TNG. And I think they've also had the Enterprise that is kind of like Strange New Worlds Enterprise. For those that don't know, this is there are slight deep differences. But when the Enterprise first showed up, Pike's Enterprise, basically, in Star Trek Discovery, they showed it, and it had a certain look. And don't even ask me right now. I think it has to do with the en the, the engine pylons holding them up, a couple other little details. But essentially, when they created the Enterprise, Pike's Enterprise for Discovery, it looks a certain way. That's the Eagle Moss ship that you can get. Now, in Strange New Worlds, they modified the ship just a little bit. Not big changes, but but a few little changes. And it's kind of like, oh, I wish it was the Strange New Worlds version. It's probably keeping me away from buying that one. Uh, maybe I'll build a model of it someday. You know, I'll add it to this the pile of models, <laughs> pile of models unbuilt that I always say, oh, I'll get to those one day. Uh, I got to do that. I, I'm really, really bound and determined. I think maybe if I stayed in the podcast, I'll stick to my guns. Um, and not procrastinate even longer. But as winter approaches here for Michigan, I, I really, and there's, there's a reason, slight reason for this. I have a couple of large scale. I have the refit enterprise. I have the original TOS enterprise. I think I have the large, um, scale, uh, Klingon, uh, K7 ship, uh, K7. What is that? K7 space station. Why'd I say that? <laughs> you guys know what I mean. D7, right? Um, anyway, so, I really want to start this winter building um, a large-scale model. Uh, I feel like I need to build a small. I haven't built a model in a long time, and I used to do a lot, a lot. I mean, back in the day, I, I right after I here, here, here's an old story for you. Um, after the motion picture, Star Trek: The Motion Picture came out, um, I built um, my own and lit it myself. Um, and it was my first airbrushing experience and, and um but i and it's still i think i have it somewhere buried in a box i built a little like stand for it with a little 
I bought a piece of metal tubing to hold it up very well. You know, I, I did kind of, it's funny, I did everything that people do now with these polar lights and, and round two kits and stuff like that. So, um, but I built my own and I'm pretty proud of that thing. Um, for, especially since, it, you know, you couldn't just go online and buy a lot of stuff. Like, uh, I didn't as tech it, uh, at the time that was just beyond what I wanted to do or really felt like wanting to do. So, um, it just got painted kind of a neutral color. Um, but, um, but anyway, so I, I do want to build some, start getting building. And that brings me to one, one little uh, story. And then I'm going to talk a little bit, I guess, briefly about some of the stuff I've been watching. Then we'll, get, then we'll get into the Star Wars records thing. By the way, on the the, the, the subject, the main topic for this podcast. <laughs> so I, I, here's another Ricoism that, that happens eh, fairly often. And where is it? Okay. So the original idea for today's podcast was to way back in the day, and they put out quite a few of these. Um, and keep in mind, this was in what I call the dark times of pre-Star Wars when we only had Star Trek reruns and very little content, new stuff for, for Star Trek um, to to read. Or I mean, we had some books. We had the books. Uh, they always published quite a bit of Star Trek novels. Uh, but they put out a series of records of basic, basically Star Trek stories, audio dramas. Think about like an audio book. But these were with um, a cast that tried to sort of do the voices of the of the original uh, Trek series. Um, or, or as it's known these days, those old scientists. <laughs> uh, if you get that reference or if you don't, watch Strange New World Season 2. Uh, but they did a whole series of these Star Trek records. And somewhere I have a couple of them, and they put a quite a quite a few out um, over the years and different. And they repackaged them a little bit, but I I found out I, I did a quick search before I started the podcast, and I and I did do a podcast about this before. So it's uh, if you want to listen to that one, go back in the archives. It's podcast five eighty one. It was from uh, around um, April of twenty sixteen, April third, it looks like, uh, where I did basically a little um, uh, a mini cast on Star Trek records and I and I played one of them, one of them for you. You can hear and listen to most of these on YouTube. They have uh, people who have recorded the records and put them up on YouTube, which is always cool and great. Uh, and yeah, so that was what I was gonna do today. I was gonna, hey, let's let's because I'd be kind of getting into records again a bit more uh, and I said let's do a let's do a show about Star Trek records and I'm like, sure enough, I did one. I thought I had done one. I wasn't positive. It was sort of like a 50-50 shot. So I segued over to we'll do we'll talk about Star Wars on records or or basically these Star Wars storybooks where they essentially redid the movie in a short time span. For example, I'm going to play for you later in a bit here what they did for Star Wars for the original movie. Uh, they boiled it down to basically the, the Star Wars read-along storybook that boiled a two-hour movie roughly down to 12 uh, minutes and 47 seconds. So there you go. Hey, because kids have a short attention span, and uh, you've got to also be able to fit it on a small record. I, I don't know if these were were like 45s. No, you wouldn't get 12 minutes. It was basically a small LP, I guess. But I think, I think the Star Wars ones, this one I think was not even, I don't know if it was a record or a cassette. I think it's a cassette. Um, tape which you could vary the length of that easily so so that's kind of what we're gonna that's kind of how we got to what we're going to talk about today primarily but um but prior to that i wanted to talk about this um 
this other thing that's been going on in the last week or so. So about a more than a year ago, uh, when roughly when I was at um, San Diego Comic-Con in 2022, I can distinctly remember in my hotel room one evening. So there's a company called Tomy. I think that's how you say it, T-O-M-Y. They've done die-cast, metal die-cast models of things, ships, cars, whatever, all kinds of properties for a very long time. Not sure how long they've been around, but you can look it up, I'm sure. So the they put up the, the idea that they were going to do a studio-scale die-cast metal original uh, Enterprise from the original series. And it was a couple of features it was going to have. They were going to have the saucer section you could detach, like it was supposedly could do, but you never really saw it in the original series do that. But you did in TNG. They eventually did that, you know, first episode even. Um, it was going to be fully lit. It's die cast in, in metal. It was going to be studio scale, so roughly the same size as like the um, Master Replicas Enterprise that they've done and, and the model kits you can get a, that size now, you know, 32 or so inches long. Big, big model, um, fully lit. Uh, you had a little shuttle bay in it with, and there was a little bridge you could see from the top and all that. Uh, super cool thing. And they've, they've shown photos of it. They've talked about it over the, over, you know, they've had, you know, updates. Anyway, they, they, it was a, it was a campaign they were go, doing, um, $600 US to buy it. Um, I decided, yeah, I got to have that. Um, even though I had a Master Replicas one, this thing looks super cool. And the fact that it was die cast. Now, I definitely understood at the time that that was probably going to mean it wasn't going to look as perfect and pretty as like the Master Replicas or the way the ship looks on screen. You were going to have some sacrifices to be made. But most of the pictures and most of the production stuff when they were showing up at conventions, it looked pretty good. Well, finally, what happened, a big thing blew up in the last week or so where um, some collectors in Australia of all places, which supposedly... The story, I think, is that this was only going to be U.S. only maybe release. I, I forget. I, but they had a U.S. distributor. Somehow a couple of guys got um, a couple of the first ones that went out, the production versions, uh, finished thing. And, and they basically they, they, they got them, a couple of people. A lot of pictures and videos started showing up online in different groups and things. And, and basically a lot of people who pre-ordered this went, oh, wow, that doesn't look as good as I had hoped it would look. And again, I, I totally get this is a pre this is a production version. It's not somebody doing their own model that they can spend three years working on or whatever. So you have to realize there's going to be potentially some sacrifices, right? But the three two or three big things that happened with it um, that turned me off, I eventually I actually canceled my order. Uh, it brought me to that, and and that for you guys know how much I love the original series, but but here were kind of my reasons and, and some of the f things that happened with it. The and a lot of this is online. I'm probably not going to talk too long about it. One, first, the biggest thing for me was the the stand for it, the support base, and everything was very ugly looking, right? And, and you again, you could see pictures. It, it just doesn't look good. But the but the topper for it, the, the thing that was even worse about it is you needed a support base and pole thing that stuck up under the primary hull in the center of the primary hull to, to balance it because of the weight. And I understand that that probably is a problem, but that never got that never was showing up anywhere in their production stuff. They they didn't. 
Um, some people say that a lot has to do with the fact that they made the, 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 the two parts that it, it could detach the primary hull, maybe, but there's a huge amount of weight on that front part. I think somebody out there, I heard somebody say it's like eight or so pounds of just the primary hull. So I get that it's stressing things a lot, but if it was me, I would have probably thrown out, hey, do you want a support pull? Or could we maybe make the primary hull out of like plastic instead of die cast for that and the rest of it's die cast potentially? Um, or pieces of maybe the primary hull or metal or something, maybe the top and the bridge dome or something like that. I don't know. But there's no way I, I the, the, that having that support pole under there was really the killer for me. It just doesn't look, it doesn't display and look cool and look nice, honestly. Um, the, the other thing, the big thing that's bugging a lot of people is they have a lot of screw holes that got had to get plugged with these rubber plugs, right? And they're all on the, the side that you don't usually, the side that's usually displayed uh, for the Enterprise. You know how in the original series, you pretty much see the Enterprise from one angle, one side, right? That has to do with, uh, it was a model, it, you know, which is at the Smithsonian now, right? Um, and the, all the wiring, the support stuff, all, uh, it, basically one side was just, they don't want to show that. It's ugly. And the one scene in Mirror Mirror where you see the Enterprise like flying by the planet the other way, right? That big scene at the beginning when they, they go to the alternate universe and everything. Well, that's just a reverse shot of, of the ship, basically. They've, they've just reversed the angle, you know, in, in, in film, in production, or in post-production, not, not really showing you the other side truly of the, of the model. So the plugs are all on the wrong side, honestly. Um, and then they have some other little seams and stuff like on the nacelles that are in bad places, very visible. And it's just, now I saw a video yesterday that this thing is lit. It, it looks pretty nice with, with, with a few exceptions. You know, I think for someone who doesn't have, like I have the master replicas, it's probably still pretty good. And I, I kind of like it, just a hint of, Ooh, maybe I shouldn't have canceled when I saw this most recent video, but it's a big ship. I mean, it's it's a, a you know almost three foot long model, and I'm running out of space, honestly. You know, so it was like uh, if I you know this thing's got to be really really nice for me to keep it. So I, I decided not to. All right, we're about 25 minutes in. Anyway, I just wanted to point that out. I don't know. I, I know my buddy Dylan's got one. I think coming uh, that you guys heard heard he and I do a show uh, not that long ago. I've I've hung out with him at San Diego Comic Con. Um, I hope he keeps it because I really want to see what he thinks, maybe do a, a show when, when he gets his. They're going out soon in the next few weeks, so everyone will be getting them very soon. The Replica Prop Forum, there's a huge long thread about it on there, people talking about it and stuff. And, and I get it. I, I, was, I was kind of on the fence. I, I, I don't hate it. You know, I didn't hate the ship or what Tommy did and all that. I just feel like I think they were not really quite up front. Um, but they did allow people to cancel prior to actually even receiving the thing. So um, I think that that was at least good at that stage because this thing would be a pain in the neck to have to ship back if you didn't like it um, and all that. And and if they were going to have to eat the uh, – I don't remember what the details were of the whole like campaign that they did. I mean there's a lot of Kickstarter stuff, and I don't think it was technically Kickstarter, but there's a lot of Kickstarter stuff where – you know, when when you fund something, they charge you right then. They charge whatever whatever the price is. Like there's a DeLorean, um, Back to the Future DeLorean that Tommy's making that I supported a month or so ago. It, the campaign ended, I think. 
Um, not as much money as this. And I'm sticking with that because I think a metal a DeLorean would be really cool. That Hot Toys one I got, it's a really cool ship and it's huge, but it's not metal. It's plastic. So um, anyway, it looks pretty metal-like, though. Uh, I'm still super happy about that piece. It's it's very cool. Um, but yeah, that's the Tomy story, the Enterprise thing. Um, they're probably going to make other ones, other Trek ships, perhaps. I, I may end up regretting that I don't get this, but well, that's the way it goes. Got to be a little bit more selective sometimes. All right, I'm going to take a short break. I need something to drink. And then we're going to come back and talk about these Star Wars read-along stories, books and cassettes. I think it'll be kind of fun because the 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 most fun about this stuff, and the Star Trek thing was the same way. I don't think in either case, both the Star Trek records that they did, I know for the Star Trek records this is true, and, and I think for these Star Wars storybooks, but none of the people, none of the cast members, don't get this confused with the radio dramas that Star Wars did, which were excellent. And uh, Mark Hamill at least participated there, and Billy D. Williams, I think, and a couple of others. But anyway, what I'm saying is the, the people who do the voicing of the, of the characters in these, none of them are the original uh, actors. So um, it, it's fun to hear them trying to do the voices. Um, for these characters. Anyway, I'll come back and we'll play that. We'll play um, one of these for you in a moment. Oh, I didn't talk too much about what I've been watching. Obviously, I'm watching Ahsoka. I'm watching Lower Decks. Uh, I think upcoming on the show, I think probably when Ahsoka ends, we have two more episodes. And I will do a podcast uh, probably talking about Ahsoka. Maybe get the maybe get my uh, my buddies, get, uh, get Joe and Chris, uh, maybe Angela if she's watched, or even Jen. I don't know if Jen's watching. I don't know if she is because I think... I think not. But anyway, the um, I'd like to get a group together to talk about Ahsoka. I think it's been pretty good. I'm, I've been enjoying it. I think it's um, it's not qu- quite what I expected. I thought it was going to be a little bit more. There's been a lot of buildup. It, it's a lot of getting to um, Thrawn. Where is Thrawn? Let's go find Thrawn. Uh, I think I said it early on when Ahsoka started. <laughs> it, but the it, it just reminded me so much of... What happened in the Star Wars prequel, which, or sorry, not prequels, sequels, movies, when it was all about where's Luke? Let's go find Luke. And there's a map thing and all that. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know what it is about the, what Star Wars became a, uh, you know, galactic treasure hunt or something. But I'm, I'm still enjoying it a lot. I mean, I love Ahsoka as a character. I think she's very interesting. Uh, she, she's very, She's not your average Jedi, and I, I think, I think what they've been doing, you know, and even the, even the bad guys, quote, big air quotes, in in this show, are not your classic, you know, uh, very two dimensional person like that. They're they're people that like, you know, they don't like the way things are, and they want to fix things and change things. They're just not evil to be evil. It's not like the cackling emperor, you, you know. I, I honestly, I, I feel like the emperor in Star Wars. Sheev, Palpatine, you know, 
he, he's kind of boring, honestly, as as a bad guy, because he's not very. Um, it, it you you don't. I think he, if there's anything to be said about the prequels, is they did try to flesh him out as a character a bit more. Uh, but the um, but anyway, the 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 point is, I, I think I think the Ahsoka, you know, there's there's more shades of gray. He, he, even Ahsoka, you know, obviously questioned the Jedi Order and left the Order and all that. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm liking it. two more episodes to go. Uh, and Lower Decks has been a blast already. We've had four episodes, I think, so far. I think two came out the first week, and we've had two more. Yeah, that show just it just it, it moves so fast. I, I I feel like I should I need to watch each episode about three or four times to catch every little thing that every little detail. <laughs> so, all right, let's let's get off into and in talking about these these storybooks. So, unlike the Star Trek ones that I was talking about earlier, where they were basically created um, original stories, like you know with authors like Hal and Dean Foster and stuff like that. The Star Wars ones are basically uh, the, the ones I'm really focused on here. And they've done some other stuff that's a little bit more, I think, creative. But but these are essentially um, a retelling of the movie in a children's book form with text and photos, right? Um, and what they did, and that, like I said earlier, I think the the Star Wars one, it's a twenty four page book uh, with with photos and and there's. There's story narration, you know, on this anyway. So it's it's not they're not super long, of course. And they did one of these. They definitely did one of these for Star Wars or Star Wars colon, you know, Episode Four, New Hope, and all that. Uh, when they added that in, um, this came out in '79, I think, originally from the for the first movie. You, you keep in mind, uh, I've probably said this before, but and, and most of you know, when Star Wars hit in '77, you know, it was. No one expected the crazy, you know, running for months on end in movie theaters. So there was really very little merchandise. There was very little. There wasn't anything afterwards. So when when they started to see the appeal and started to see the, you know, how how everyone was loving it so much, they said, "Hey, let's do some stuff. Let's let's make a, you know, let's make some toys. Let's make some read along storybooks." So it took a little while. So the movie came out in seventy seven. This didn't come out until 79. Uh, I think they did better with after that. They learned, obviously, that Star Wars was pretty popular. So when Empire Empire Strikes Back came out, that read-along book, also about uh, same length, roughly, um, 12, 12 and almost 13 minute long. I'm looking at um, that on YouTube. So there's an Empire Strikes Back one. There's also Return of the Jedi one. Um, according to this, it looks like the Return of the Jedi one may be longer, like twice as long as the others. Interesting. Uh, but I'm only going to play, you can find these all on YouTube. I'm only going to play the, the Star Wars one for you here. Like I said, it's about almost 13 minutes long. Um, we're about 35 minutes into the podcast. So that should take us to pretty much the end of the show or so. But, um, yeah, I think this will be fun. I, I just, I like pointing out, um, you know, things that a lot of people might not be aware of. Uh, also, this has been on my mind recently because the other things that I love, like the, the, and I know I've done a podcast about this before, but, and I think I played some of these, 
the old radio dramas that they did for Star Wars, where they really expanded the story of the movies, even beyond the books that they did. Um, they did a radio drama for um, Star Wars for the first movie, for Empire Strikes Back, and for Return of the Jedi, actually, too. Uh, and the other thing I was going to mention, because this has also been on my mind recently, believe it or not, there's a, uh, I think BBC did this, there was a radio drama also for The Lord of the Rings that was done, and it's pretty high quality and pretty well well produced and pretty well made, in my opinion, at least. I'm not the biggest Lord of the Rings guy, you know, I, you know, but I know enough and I've read them and seen the movies and all that, but the but that was a radio drama that they did as well. So I, I, I like these different kinds of forms of, of versions of, of these properties. I find them very interesting and I, and I like to hear what they do. So without any further ado, that was a lot of preamble, <laughs> but uh, hope you enjoyed it. All right, here we go with the 1979 Star Wars read-along storybook uh, and cassette. Uh, yeah, so uh, which... Which reminds me, I want to buy a cassette dubber for my dubby dub thing for my computer. Like they have these little portable ones. Looks pretty inexpensive that you can just pop a cassette in and plug it into your audio in or US. I think it might be, it's probably USB. And then get anything from a cassette onto your, you know, digitize it or something. I've done that with a lot of old videotapes. I did that a few summers back. I, I took all my like, old videotapes and home movies that I have in video VHS tape and, and dub them over to, to a DVD format, um, which I got to go one step further. I, I do make myself a note of that mental note of, I want to make a, take the DVDs now and put them into true digital form because DVDs even, they're more durable and last longer than a videotape, but they, they're not a still a, they're not a forever thing. Well, nothing's a forever thing, but would be good to have a backup digitally. So, all right, here we go with the Star Wars uh, read-along storybook from the first movie. This is the story of Star Wars. You can read along with me in your book. You will know it is time to turn the page when you hear R2-D2 beep like this. Let's begin now. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, the hope of freedom was kept alive by rebel forces fighting against the evil Galactic Empire. In a daring raid, rebel spies managed to steal secret plans to the Empire's ultimate weapon, the Death Star. But as the rebels raced back to their base, they were pursued by a powerful Imperial starship. On board the small rebel craft, two droid units were knocked about as deadly laser bolts exploded outside. C-3PO, the taller, human-like droid, said to his companion, R2-D2, the Imperial Starship is getting closer. We'll be destroyed for sure. This is madness. We're doomed. Within minutes, dozens of Imperial stormtroopers boarded the rebel craft, firing their laser rifles. The helpless rebel soldiers could only surrender. Through the hatch strode a black cloaked helmeted figure, Darth Vader, the fierce Imperial warrior. Commander, tear this ship apart until you found those plans. 
While stormtroopers searched frantically for the stolen plans, the rebel leader, Princess Leia, called R2-D2 into a deserted corridor. Here, R2. I have placed the secret plans and a message in your memory banks. You and C-3PO must take an escape pod, land on the planet of Tatooine below, and deliver the plans to Obi-Wan Kenobi. He will know what to do. Only seconds after the two droids blasted off, Princess Leia was captured and brought before Darth Vader. How dare you attack us, Lord Vader? We are on a diplomatic mission. Don't play games with me, Your Highness, answered Vader. You are a part of the Rebel Alliance. On the Death Star, you will tell us where your secret base is. Come. Meanwhile, below on Tatooine, a young lad named Luke Skywalker was yearning to join the rebellion and soar through the galaxy fighting the evil empire. But Luke felt he should stay and work on his uncle's struggling farm. How could Luke know that the key to his dreams was only a few miles away? The two droids had landed with the plans. R2 and 3PO were soon picked up by Jawas, a band of small desert scavengers. The Jawas took the droids to Luke's farm, hoping to sell them for a good price. Luke looked the droids over. Okay, we'll take them. Follow me, you two. I'll clean you up in the shed. As Luke scraped the dirt off R2, he accidentally triggered Leia's message. Her projected image pleaded. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. Luke was puzzled. I wonder if she means old Ben Kenobi, the desert hermit. Uh, come on, you two. Let's go see him. Old Ben was full of surprises. Yes, my boy. I was once called Obi-Wan Kenobi, back when I was a Jedi Knight, like your father. My father was a Jedi? Asked the startled youth, remembering stories about the noble knights who kept the peace before the Empire took control. Yes, Luke. And this was his lightsaber. I've been saving it for you. Ben handed Luke a sleek cylinder. At the touch of a button, an intense beam of light shot out to form a glowing blade. This is the weapon of the Jedi. Your father was killed by a treacherous pupil of mine named Darth Vader. According to the princess's message, Vader will soon be using the Death Star to destroy rebel planets. Luke, for the sake of your father and the Rebel Alliance, you must help me deliver these secret plans and stop Darth Vader. I will teach you how to use the Force, the power which gives the Jedi his strength and skill. Luke eagerly agreed to help. Very good, Luke, smiled Ben. Now come. Stormtroopers will soon be looking for you and your droids. We must find a pilot who will take us to Princess Leia's home planet of Alderaan at once. Their search began in a local tavern filled with strange alien creatures. In a dark booth, Ben and Luke located a brash smuggler pilot named Han Solo. 
Sure, I can get you to Alderaan, but it'll cost you plenty. Smuggling rebel sympathizers through Imperial blockades is no picnic. Hans co-pilot Chewbacca, a shaggy eight-foot Wookiee, roared his agreement. Luke, Ben, and the droids boarded Han's ship, the Millennium Falcon, with stormtroopers hot on their trail. Only Han's skill as a pilot put them safely out of the Empire's reach. But as the Falcon neared Alderaan, Han couldn't believe his eyes. Look, the planet's gone. It's been blown to bits. This is Darth Vader's work said Ben sadly. Vader's huge battle station, the Death Star, was lurking nearby and had detected the Falcon's presence. Let's get out of here! shouted Han. Chewie, the controls aren't responding. We're caught in a tractor beam. It's pulling us right into the Death Star. Quick, everyone, into this secret compartment. When we land, those stormtroopers will think the ship's empty. Meanwhile, Darth Vader was questioning Princess Leia in her prison cell. Where is the secret rebel base? You'll never learn that from me, snapped Leia. Your cruel destruction of Alderaan has only strengthened my loyalty. Vader angrily turned to leave when suddenly he stopped. I sense a tremor in the force. There is a presence. Yes, Obi-Wan Kenobi is here. I feel it. In the meantime, Luke, Han, and Chewbacca had come out of hiding to find Princess Leia and release her. She had expected a different rescuer. Where is Obi-Wan Kenobi? He's trying to shut off a tractor beam so we can fly out of here, said Han impatiently. Now let's move it! There go the alarms! Shouted Luke. Hurry! Stormtroopers raced after them, filling the air with laser fire. Luke, Han, and Chewbacca fought back bravely, but they were hopelessly outnumbered. I never bargained for this! Complained Han between blasts. Hit for the Falcon! Ben succeeded in shutting off the tractor beam, but his return to Han's ship was blocked by Darth Vader. So, we meet again, Obi-Wan Kenobi. This time, I will destroy you. If you do, Darth, I will only grow stronger. The two warriors lit their lightsabers. A furious battle began. The air hummed and sparks flew as lightsabers swung and clashed. Finally, Darth's saber cut through Ben's cloaks. But the old Jedi was no longer there. He had vanished. Luke and the others dashed aboard the Millennium Falcon as Han leaped to the controls. Okay, Chewie, hit it! Engines roared, and the Falcon shot out of the docking bay. Han hollered to Luke. Get to a laser cannon, kid! We've got four Imperial TIE fighters chasing us! Luke, still stunned by Ben's disappearance, managed to fire the cannon repeatedly until he and Han had shot down all their pursuers. Hey! Yeah! The 
Leia directed Han to the secret rebel base where she turned over the stolen plans. After much study, the Death Star's weak spot was found. Rebel pilots had to hit an exhaust port with their proton torpedoes, but the rebel forces were pitifully small compared to the might of the Imperial legions. The rebel commander was happy to accept Luke's help, and the young warrior joined the bombing run as an X-Wing pilot. As the rebel squadron flew toward the terrible Death Star, Luke thought, even if we're not shot at, zeroing in on that tiny target will be practically impossible. Heads up. Called the squadron leader. TIE fighters approaching. As the two enemies engaged, the blackness of space was lit by beams from hundreds of laser cannons. The squadron leader spoke again. There's the target at the end of that trench on the Death Star surface. Begin bombing run. Now. X-Wings skimmed the trench time and again, but either missed the target or were shot down by TIE fighters. As Luke zoomed down into the trench, he glanced over his shoulder. Oh no. It's Darth Vader, and he's right on my tail! Vader prepared to fire. Suddenly, a familiar ship swooped down and sent Vader's fighters spinning off into space. Okay, kid, you're all clear. It was Han Solo and his Falcon. But the next voice Luke heard was Ben Kenobi's. Luke, use the Force. Let it guide your actions. Closing his eyes, Luke concentrated on the target and fired his proton torpedoes. They flew straight and true into the exhaust port. As Luke lifted away, the Death Star exploded in a dazzling ball of flame. Luke had succeeded with Han Solo's help. Back at the Rebels' secret base, the two received a hero's welcome. In a grand ceremony, Princess Leia placed medals around their necks while the joyful Rebel troops looked on. Luke Skywalker, the simple farm boy, had realized his dream and proved himself a leader in the Rebel cause. All right, there you go with the 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 read-along storybook of the first Star Wars movie. What'd you guys think of that? You know, it's I've I know I've heard it before, but it's been forever. A couple of things, the, the some of the voices, some of the voices were not, you know, the uh, actors or whoever did the voices were pretty pretty good. The the one that I find the most, let's say, hard to handle is is probably Darth Vader's voice. <laughs> that guy just did not sound like, you know, Vader needs a much deeper, more commanding voice. That that one was not great. I, I thought Obi-Wan was pretty good. Luke wasn't bad. Princess Leia, a couple of times, she almost sounded English. Although, it's funny, Carrie Fisher, even in the first movie, there, there's times where the, some of the lines she delivers, she almost has a little bit of, it sounds like she almost has a little bit of an English accent, slightly, slightly, but... Luke was okay. Han was okay, I thought. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it's fun. 
And it, it's interesting to me how, how they can chop down the movie, you know, to these key scenes and, and still get pretty much the whole story there, you know, for the most part. I, I mean, there's a lot of, of course, in between time and details and stuff, you know, that they have to sacrifice. Yeah, by the way, so this is on YouTube. There's a there's a place called Star Wars Radio. Um, uh, just search for that. They have, uh, looks like they've got all three for the first three movies, the original trilogy. Uh, and this one, I don't know what the other thing I was looking at earlier, but it looks like they're they're all of roughly the same time. Return of the Jedi is just a little longer Um than the the other ones by about five minutes or so uh but um but yeah and for i i took a quick snippet and listened to just slight bits of the each of those it it almost sounds like they didn't use the same uh the same voices or the same actors as they did each of these i i don't know i'm not going to bother with uh yeah i'm sure you could probably find it somewhere but but the um I'm not going to look and, and find out if, you know, who, what actors were what and who they used for what and, and if any of them coincided. The Yoda, the one doing Yoda is is not great. He, he sounds even more like a Sesame Street character. But um, the, uh, and it looks like they did some for the, the sequel films. Uh, I don't know if they're prequel ones. There probably are. I'm just looking at the YouTube, you know, what shows up on the right-hand side when you're on these. I see one even for, like, The Last Jedi that, that was out, came out in 2018, which is, I think, the year after that movie. I think that movie was 2017, right? It was 20, 2015, 2017, 2019 for the sequel movies. But, uh, yeah, I think this is these are pretty fun. And uh, if you've got a little kid especially, you know, at a certain age, if they get into this stuff, it's something else you could you could – you know, show them or let them read and, and, and listen. I've always thought that that was a fun way to, um, to do like to, to, when kids are learning how to read, they can watch, you know, they can look through the book, the words are there, the guy's reading it. So you can, you know, they can learn words that way. And eventually, you know, I know when even my boys were young, if you read it, read books to them and read stories and you can point to words as you're reading them, they can start to learn how to learn how to read that way. So that's, you know, got an educational uh, part to it as well as being fun. So, uh, so yeah, that's, uh, that's what I wanted to um, share with you guys. You know, I was going to do, like I said, the Star Trek stuff, but I did that before back in 2016, not that long ago, I guess, but seven years now. So um, yeah, I think that's about it for, uh, for this week. Uh, I'm trying to think, I thought there was something else I was going to say. But um, eh, maybe it'll come to me. Maybe it won't. Who knows? Been doing a lot of stuff around the house, reading a bunch of comics. Um, I've actually got a pack of comics for Midtown Comics sitting right here that I have to open. You know what I do? Typically, every few months, I go through comics and put them in bags and stuff like that in boxes and all that. And invariably, I, I find that I, oh, I missed an issue of this or I missed an issue of that. How did that happen? The, the thing about comics is you can kind of miss an issue and you can still, because, uh, well, a lot of comics come out monthly. You won't, you'll, you'll like pick it up and you'll go, okay, I kind of know this was going on with Batman or I kind of know this was going on with Spider-Man or whatever. But if you miss one issue, it, it's not super apparent. And then until you basically then look and go, oh, I, I did miss an issue. Sometimes the issues are very critical. You know, something big happens, but... Um, but anyway, the um, 
Oh, one last thing, I guess. Um, I just finished up, uh, I think I mentioned it when I when I listened to the first one, Impact Winter. It's an Audible original thing uh, with a full cast, uh, a lot of um, sound effects and music, uh, something called Impact Winter. There was a part one, and then part two just came out. Um, they're not very long. Uh, I think part two was even shorter than part one. There's got to be a point part three because um, it landed kind of in a cliffhanger. Part two did. I don't know. I, I'm enjoying it. The cast is great. And I like these dramas on audio. This is all, I guess, an audio-themed podcast here today. But um, I was, wasn't was really super happy with the way this ended, the um, part two. Kind of, kind of cha- things happened, and and I didn't really, <laughs> I didn't really, frankly, care for the way things went down at the end. But um, I'll probably still have to listen to part three because, I mean, oh, there's Revenge of the Sith. I'm looking at read along story, so that uh, it looks like the prequels are in there too. So, yeah, I think that's a pretty regular thing that they do with um, Star Wars. Has always been, you know, they say Star Wars is for the kids, so they they've always been kind of focused on trying to do things you know, for a younger audience. So there's a lot of adults, you know, listen to this too, and there's nothing wrong with that. So, all right, folks, um, next week, I'm not sure. I got to get October's schedule fi- figured out. Um, like to get a guest host back at Mark or something for a week. I got a few things going on. October, a little busy. Um, got a couple of trips. I'm going to be away. I know I'm probably actually going to try to do a podcast. I think, yeah, I'll, I'll just commit to it now. I'm going to try to do a podcast next weekend because the weekend following that, I'm going to be out of town for a wedding. So I'll try to do a show next weekend. And then um, the following weekend will probably be out of town or will be out of town. Won't, won't be a podcast. And then um, and towards the end of the month, I'll, I'll definitely probably the weekend before uh, Halloween, I'll do a, a vidcast, a Halloween spooky, scary vidcast for that. I'm going to actually be out of town that week of Halloween, but uh to a car show that's out in Vegas, SEMA. All right, folks, um, that's about it. Oh, I guess one last thing. If you want to support the show, patreon.com forward slash treks and sci-fi. Appreciate you guys that do that. Um, and by the way, Richard Berry, uh, you still got to send me your email uh, and info. E- e- and you send me an email with your info on address to get you that prize from the uh, the live show. So um, get on that, Richard. I know you you commented on it, but I need, your, uh, I need where to ship the... Uh, the DVD or Blu-ray set or whichever you like. So shoot me an email, treksf at gmail.com. All right, folks, take care. May the force be with you. Live long and prosper. All those other geeky phrases, stay shiny. And uh, I'll talk to you again soon. Bye. This has been a Rico Dosti podcast production.